to the Mission LHC podcast, where you'll hear real conversations with a married couple that are on a mission to help other couples as they learn to love, honor, and cherish each other in all stages of marriage. My name is Heath Yearwood. And I'm Amanda Yearwood. And thanks for joining us as we laugh together and share our story together in hopes that we can be an encouragement to you. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Mission LHC podcast. So today, Heath and I are reminiscing a little bit about this time of year is always special for us. It was right at a quarter of a century ago uh, we were about to have our first baby. Yeah, it, it, it's been a long time, but it doesn't seem like it's been that long. When you start thinking back, uh, we were sitting here just thinking about it, our our son's birthday's in February, and we were just talking about it, and right now, county tournament time's going on, and uh, that's a, always been a big part of my life. You know, for years, I was a coach, administrator, whatever, the county tournament's going on, and I'm doing some broadcasting with that. And uh, it's down at Wallace State. And when we think about our son, we always think about the connection with Wallace State because uh, Amanda was my bookkeeper. And she was always keeping the book and everything at the games. And she was very pregnant at this time. Can you recall that? (laughs) I was very, very pregnant. I was due the week of the county tournament. And I remember the whole pregnancy just worried about that thinking about okay what what's going to happen when I go into labor and you know as a first time parent you think it's going to be like the movies I mean you think it's going to be your water breaks it's an emergency we've got to get to the hospital and I remember uh saying to you several times during that pregnancy what are What are you going to do if I go into labor during a ball game during the county tournament? And, you know, when you talk about that, you learn a lot of lessons over the years. Uh, That's kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight, about a lot of the lessons we learned with our son. He was the first child, and unfortunately, we didn't have a manual, and we'll talk about that. But uh, I told her the wrong answer, probably, that I would finish the ball game, and then I would be at the hospital, because usually labor takes several hours and I would be able to be there but time out you didn't answer that way because you thought it would take several hours you answered that way because you knew you wanted to be at the ball game but in my heart I knew that it would take (laughs) several hours but so not that it's been a quarter of a century but she still remembers this uh so there's a lesson to the husbands that a wife is not quick to forget (laughs) That's probably so that's the true. first lesson of yes. today. But when we start talking about, you know, when we got married and everything and we wanted to have a, a child, we've talked about already, you went through some medical problems, endometriosis, different things, and we were really just didn't know if we'd be able to have children. And um, you had some family members that kind of experienced some of that same problem and wasn't able to have. So we just didn't know what was in store. But uh, God blessed us. And, uh, you know, we found out we were going to have a, a, a baby boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of a unique story, how we found out, you know, you, uh, you go to the doctors and you nowadays you've got all these sonograms and the 4D and all that kind of stuff. Well, <laughs> we've always talked about our lives being rednecks and we're just two rednecks doing a podcast. Tell them a little bit about that. <laughs> so... Back then, I, I think you only at the doctor maybe got one sonogram and, and still it really wasn't anything like today. I mean, there was no 4D, uh, none of that stuff. It was just the black and white speckles and you kind of knew what you were looking at, but you kind of really didn't. But uh, we had 
um, a, we'll just say a friend of a friend who... Because we don't want to get anyone in trouble. <laughs> who their job, they had sonogram equipment and it, it was like a traveling kind of service. And so there were a couple of times we would go over to their house and she would do a sonogram for us, just kind of off the record. <laughs> On the kitchen table or the counter? Or on, the the, counter. on the kitchen counter. So I would lay on the kitchen counter as you... <laughs> so you, so you took a pregnancy test and a Taco Bell cup to find out about him. And now yes. we're on the kitchen counter and the sonogram. So, uh, hey, our boy did turn out okay. And we're glad despite the uh, the, the lack of parenting, I think, that we had. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a miracle in and of itself. Well, you know, and, and we were blessed. Uh, again, we were kind of ignorant when he was born, and we talk about not understanding anything. We were young or, ourselves, it seemed like, and we were almost mad when we were in the hospital. There was no manuals. There were no instructions. They would tell you a little bit, but we almost were mad at them when they decided to send us home. <laughs> it was like, I can't believe you're doing this. You you're, you're, haven't even told us what to do. But um, I remember thinking they must be so irresponsible to let us go home with a baby. We didn't know what we were doing. How could they possibly do that? Well, of course, this was before the internet, too. So you couldn't just look up what to do. Well, back then, the only way you had it, you could have a book, like what to, we, you had one that we followed around religiously, like what to expect what when you're expecting. What to expect when you're expecting. And yep. we would look and say, oh, he looks like this at this time, or he's about the size of this, or whatever. So we would look at those things. And then that kind of goes into the hospital when you were you were overdue a couple of weeks and you were in the hospital and they were going to induce and you just never could change nothing to be able to end up having the baby mm -hmm. and we still didn't really understand the severity of everything and all that and uh, a lot of times uh you know when you end up his heart rate dropped mm -hmm. and i still remember looking at the machines and looking at the doctors and their reactions and they flip you over uh, <laughs> on your knees, and uh, all you could think about at the time was what? Oh, well, all I could think about was, okay, here we are. Now, this is the beginning of, like, having a birthing suite type thing. It was a really nice room in the hospital. Of course, now I, I'm sure it's nothing compared to what they have now, but uh, we were there. They had induced my labor, and I passed out when they did. I can't remember when they just... I think it was just with the IV, not the epidural, but I'm not very tough on that kind of stuff. So, And I didn't really know this at the time because uh, we haven't really had any kind of medical procedures <laughs> in our marriage or anything. But now that I know when you try to give blood or anything like that, that was just a preview of what would come. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not a good show. So anyway, when, when that happened, um, all the blood rushed from from my body to my head and what we didn't know then and didn't understand was it took away from the baby and he went into distress and so before I knew it they had me flipped over on all fours in the bed and now remember I was wearing a hospital gown and we know what a hospital gown looks like and all I could think about was that I, I was rear facing to the door <laughs> And I remember you telling me, he covered me up, you know, you were telling me, giving me instructions off of that. But, uh, well, just a short time later, you do end up having uh, Blake. They they have to do a C-section on you. And, and again, you know, 
Lee, that was a, a learning experience for me because I'd never seen surgery at all. And I can still remember I was up by your head and they had a, a like a sheet up in front of you blocking your lower half. And they asked me, Dad, do you want to see? And I was like, sure. And I remember looking <laughs> over the uh, the curtain and they had a C-section going on. Her belly, abdomen was cut open and they started pulling him out by the head. And I thought I was going to pass out at that moment. <laughs> and uh, it, it was it was a different situation. And then just the scary thing of when they do take the baby out, he's not crying, not anything at the time. So when you hear would hear him cry, it was a relief that came over mm-hmm. you. And I remember, you know, you then getting to see him kind of and everything with that point. But, you know, that's a memory that we have. And then we go home. And it, we went home just a few days later. And... We wanted him in our room all the time. We wanted to see him. And I remember the nurses saying, look, he's okay. Let him stay in the nursery because you're going to need to rest. We didn't really understand that at the time. But we go home, and I remember driving in the car, and you're sitting in the back seat with him in his little car seat. And I remember making eye contact with you through the uh, uh, rearview mirror, and it was almost like, what are we doing? I don't know. (laughs) It's too late to change our minds. What do we do now? (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, there was no uh, manual or anything for raising a child. And then now, at the stage that we're at a quarter of a century in, mm-hmm. also spiritually, there was no, uh, there wasn't guidelines that we knew about. The Bible clearly has guidelines yeah. about raising our children up in the way of the Lord. But at the time, we didn't really understand a lot of it. So why we do this podcast is sometimes some of these things are just our funny memories. And we know they really don't have a lot of a... Uh, Uh, importance to you but it's some funny stories and things going but you know we're going to share a little bit about Blake's life and some of the things coming up and and some funny stories but also uh, you know looking back now and what we didn't know I guess sometimes ignorance is bliss I guess we we, it was probably a good thing we didn't because the concern that we would have (laughs) the less you know maybe the less you have to worry about Yes. You know, well, Blake, again, was the first uh, baby on both sides for uh, a long Mm -hmm. time that had come about. So he, you know, everybody was crazy. I was an only child and my mom and dad had poured everything into me over the years. So they were kind of just crazy about it, having a grandbaby because, you know, I was in my mid-20s almost and they were, they were crazy about it. Your mom and daddy the same way. Your sister didn't have any children yet so this was the first baby and she was as crazy as anybody about having <laughs> yeah. a, a nephew mm-hmm. it was it was really neat now i will say though that all of that attention kind of was tough while i was pregnant because there was so much emphasis on you know the baby's about to be here and and so that was hard that was an adjustment well, and, and that's one of those lessons that at the time, yeah, it was almost a jealousy thing. It's not our baby. It's it's not everyone's baby. It's just mine and your baby. <laughs> and um, But then but, but we, we learned. But we okay learned to real share. quick. If they wanted the babies, come and get them, and y'all can have them for this <laughs> few days or hour or whatever. But, uh, um, you know, the again, the, there we didn't have any instructions, didn't know what we was doing. I can remember coming home for the first time. You know, there's big memories that you have when your kids first uh, uh, set up or they roll over, or they crawl or different things that was going. And 
you know, our parents were able to experience part of that and be there. But, you know, um, as, as we look back on some of those memories, anything like that stand out to you? Goodness, there's so many things, which it's kind of hard to separate what things are truly memories and what things are pictures that I've looked at or videos we've taken but you know so so much going on that time just seemed to really fly by and it's hard to even imagine now looking back at it how was that 25 years ago and you know when we talk about not really knowing how basically what you do how you raise your children most of the time you've kind of followed the guidelines that you were raised by you know you mimic your parents a whole lot and, you know, my dad was pretty tough on me growing up playing sports and different things and, and was strict uh, on a lot of things and, and stuff. My mom was kind of the one that you tried to slip, ask her you know, permission to do stuff. She was the one that would let you do things more often. But I found myself, you know, pretty much raising Blake just like that, you know, uh, like my dad did. I was tough on him. And, and we look back, and some of you out there listening to this, you may have multiple children, but your first child, I think you probably find you're, you're a little more strict with the first child. And we did with Blake, you know, on a lot of things. Yeah, there were so many things that he was, unfortunately, our guinea pig, the person we learned on, you know, trying to learn to manage being a parent. And, you know, it was a new role for us. And, you know, from the married standpoint, when you enter into that parenting role, it's easy to lose the connection of being married because you have turned now into mom and dad. And and one thing, I guess one of the lessons out of this uh, podcast on today, I think a lot of times you raise your, especially your first child, almost on how you will be judged as a parent. So a lot of your decisions you make is almost for you as much as it is for the child. And that's some of the, I guess, regrets I have. You know, whether it's in sports that you don't want them to mess up, you push them so hard to do some things or act a certain way. Now, I don't have any regrets of things that we, you know, in church, we made sure that he wasn't going to act up and he was going to sit there and he was going to be quiet and he was going to do certain things. We were hard on him, but, you know, he ended up having good manners and understanding things a lot of times. But, you know, that that was just how my parents had raised me, you know. <laughs> you know, we made him grow up so quick. Even when he was a baby, he looked like a little man. He had his little comb over and... Uh, yeah, his outfits. He always had, had his little plaid shirts and his <laughs> little khaki pants. And, uh, but uh, you know, we look back and and a lot of things like that. I mean, he played sports early with everything. Of course, you know, daddy's always. And and I think we were blessed like that. When you have most time, you, you know, people think ideal families. They'd like to have a boy and a girl. And of course, he was the first that came through the boy. And um, you know, we we look back on. Uh, let starting sports and and things that was going on and like I said I was so hard on him a lot of times that I think sometimes I stole his joy because you know wanting him to be the very best he could but but again I say this when he gets out he knew what hard work and and being a part of a team doing things so I get asked a lot of times by parents what would you do and I don't even hardly answer the question because when I was in their shoes, I had to make choices that I felt was right or wrong. And, you know, your perspective changes when you're 
after your 50s and you start looking back on it. That's true. Our, we look at it more like grandparents now, I suppose. But, I mean, we made, I think we made a lot of good decisions, but we made a lot of dumb decisions too. And uh, Well, and, uh, and yeah. Go ahead. I was thinking of one really dumb decision we made. But go ahead. When he was six months old and we were so excited for his half birthday. Yeah, that's a funny story because... Uh, you know, we you had a half birthday party, so a six month old's not doing a whole lot. He, you know, he, he he's probably uh, we've got him setting up in this high chair, and I can still remember that Amanda made a couple of uh, cakes there and had a half yeah. on it. Or yeah, I made a cake, and well, it was just us. I mean, we didn't invite people or no. anything, but I remember, you know, up until this point, he's really not eating any kind of food food much i mean still baby food and certainly nothing with a lot of flavor so here i made a regular cake with the sugar on sugar on sugar so you go from he's not eating regular food yet he's got the bland <laughs> baby food and we decide it's time for him to have some cake that's the sweetest <laughs> Full on birthday cake. and uh so you know it'd be, it would have been fine if he had just put his finger in it and he puts it in his mouth and that's okay well we proceed to let him sit there and he just keeps his hand in it and he keeps putting it in his mouth and we we watched this on a video going yes. back and now looking back on it, you can see his face. It's almost like a, I'm about to throw up and y'all just keep, have some more, buddy. Have some more cake. He's like birthday cake drunk. Yeah. So he has got a look on his face. And uh, uh, we look back and that was probably almost a cruelty uh, to a child <laughs> that was there. That pretty bad, yeah. And then I think back on some of the things I can still remember. He, he couldn't even hardly been about a year old when he failed that time and got hurt. Oh, while in the yard? Yeah, I was out raking gravel in the yard, and he was out with me playing right beside me. And, of course, I was raking, and all of a sudden, I I don't see him. And I look, and right beside me, there was a culvert. He's fell off of it. I mean, it was not a big culvert, but he's laying about head first down there, and his feet's hanging up in the air. And I grab him up, and he's got a knot on his forehead. I remember running him back to the house like I've killed him, Amanda. And we jump in the car real quick. I think we probably both look pretty rough because we were out working on a, a yeah. day. So we take him to the ER. We just know that he's going to have brain damage or something. Yeah, and I can remember the time we get to town, almost about 10 minutes into our drive, about a 15-minute drive, he's laughing and cutting up. and He's fine, but he's got a big knot on his forehead. Then you go to worrying that the... Uh, they're going to think you're abusing your child if yeah. you carry him in. Yeah, and we, you know, both being educators, we knew kind of how that whole system worked. And I remember thinking, they're going to call DHR. They're going to think we're not taking care of him. And you know, we, you, you can't keep them in a bubble. You can't protect them all the time. But you know, you think that um, they were still going to get hurt, even if you're sitting there watching them. But you know, sometimes they make decisions that there and you can think god probably looks at us the same way mm -hmm. uh you know the the decisions we make sometimes that was poor choice but you know that was that was uh, one of the moments to learn a lesson that you know you can't you you can try to keep your eye on them you can try to do but things are going to happen and that was kind of hard to accept because you had that guilt as a parent sometimes that they are your responsibility and um and it's hard to watch people do things that's going to hurt them and stuff. And you wonder sometimes, 
Is God that way with us? Is, does he look on it and and he knows that we're going to make the mistakes, we're going to do things, but how hard it's got to be for him to look at that. Oh, yeah. yeah I, it's hard to imagine. You know, having kids not too awful long ago, you know, our kids are grown, but not too awful long ago, I remember asking my mom, is there going to be a point when I stop worrying about my kids? And she just laughed at me. And, you know, so that's that's part of it. We think about their lives and and it's hard to see them now as adults making their own decisions but you know just trusting that that God's going to take care of them and trusting that we've trained them in the way that they should go and you know and that makes me think about really the first time our aha on everything was out of our control was just a few months after that when um when Blake had croup do you remember that yeah and you know, I think God uses us having children sometimes to parallel His life and helps to teach you a lot of valuable lessons through that. And I remember when having Him and everything and we were praying that we would be able to get pregnant and have a child and all that kind of stuff, but there's different points in it. You know, when you had the baby, you, you were thinking that's our baby, that everything, and so you were responsible for it, just kind of what I was alluding to. But then what you're talking about, Blake, we found out real quick that sometimes when the weather would change, different things, he would develop croup. And if you don't, if you're not familiar with it, croup basically is a cough, but it's a horrible sounding cough that we came to understand because he would get it when he was little a lot of times. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night hearing that cough and us just looking at each other almost like time stood still, you know, when you would hear that cough. Yeah, he would struggle to breathe and um, his airway would uh, tighten up. And, you know, that first time he had it, we did we didn't know. I mean, we knew he had a cough. I remember you uh, went on to work that day. I took him to the pediatrician. He was about 18 months old at this point. And um, the pediatrician told me that he was very sick and he needed to be in the hospital. So, you know, I, I didn't know what to do with that information. So, I call you, they, they put him in the hospital, and, and we're still thinking, you know, he's going to be fine. Um, and then the doctor comes in to tell us that he needs to go by ambulance to Birmingham. And uh, they were ordering a special ambulance, a surgical ambulance. And trying to process what they were saying was that there's a possibility they might have to trach him because he can't breathe. And they need to be able to do it on the road. Well, and you talk about a little child. You know, they explained to us that his airway was about the size of a pen. And it, it, then it had closed even more, more narrow than that. Mm. And when he would get sick like that, so we're, we're thinking, okay, going in an ambulance, that, all right, that's bad. But we still didn't really fathom exactly until they said surgical ambulance. Now we were thinking what they're going to have to do. So we're chasing him down the the road we're behind the ambulance so they tell us not to worry about it you'll be fine but of course we're going to we're going we're behind them and i told you my mom and daddy that was their first grandchild they're behind us and so we're driving 
crazy fast to stay up with the ambulance. Well, about the time a state trooper pulls us over, <laughs> then my daddy pulls over behind the state trooper, and I'm tr we're trying to tell. You know, him. it was dark. It was at night, and like <laughs> I have this this vision in my head, like just thinking through how crazy that was. So we're chasing the ambulance, which they told us not to, but we were just we just were. And the trooper pulls us over. I'm crying. We're upset. Your mom and dad pull over right behind the trooper. And I remember looking up in the mirror. And your dad is running down the interstate screaming at the trooper saying, Let them go! That's their baby in the ambulance! <laughs> so, you know, and, and, and you, you see that visual a lot of times. I'm glad, like, you know, my dad was was there for us. He was trying to uh, answer on our behalf. Mm -hmm. And you think sometimes in our lives, a lot of times that God's watching us the same way. And I'm glad that Jesus is our adversary. I'm glad that he can try to intervene for us. You know, I think he'd have a little more success than dad, but dad did work pretty well that day because we didn't get a ticket. The cop just told us to be careful and uh, they did let us go. And then daddy and them kind of stayed with him a little bit and then they came on down. But, that was my moment right there as we were following that in a helpless situation. The ambulance had went on and never even slowed down. It kept on. But we were in a helpless situation that our child was now on his own in an ambulance. And all we could do was pray. And that was my first really moment that I look back, an aha moment with our kids. And I realized real quick that he wasn't our child. He was God's child. Because I couldn't do anything about it. He was in God's hands, and that was the only thing. And that, that was a moment that really impacted me a whole lot. It's hard to even think about now. I mean, here we are 25 years later. Blake's a grown man. Um, it's just hard to even think about that moment. I mean, I could close my eyes and, and be right back there on the side of the road and um, worrying about him. But, you know, God is good. God's been faithful. Um, and there's been many times over the years where, you know, we had those ups and downs and that crying out to God for help, but I'm so thankful we have that. Well, one thing we always talk about in our relationship, I said that my mom was a praying mother and a Proverbs 31 wife. I believe I have Amanda because of that. And now that our kids are older and they're on their own, they're doing big kid things, you know, like this week, kind of what made us start talking about Blake is, you know, he's looking to purchase his first house and he works a, a good job and different things, lives on their own. Now they come home to visit. They don't come home any longer. They have their places. Okay. And um, it's different. The whole mind shift is different when you're, when you're at that point. You're part of their life, but you're not, you're not the major influence in their life any longer. They're on their own. And so, you know, I told this before that John Kroll talks about a, a devotion that, you know, they have a suitcase and your job as a parent is to pack the things in the suitcase that they're going to need for that trip. But it doesn't still uh, change. Even though they're older, you still worry about them just like God worries about us. And, um, you know, one thing that we've tried to do a lot, we probably didn't do as good of a job. And I encourage you, if you've got children, they're growing up, make sure that you keep going to God in prayer for those decisions and friends and everything around them. We've committed that we do try to pray for our children daily. And, uh, you know, I think it's valuable that we do so because I think God provided for us because of prayers for you from your family and prayers for me. But 
I can't I can't influence their life a whole lot, but I know someone that can. That's true. That's true. Well, I was thinking as you were talking about the county tournament. So, you know, I was due the county tournament week. Um, but as you know, it was much later before I had Blake. So it was about this time, 25 years ago, that you saw me out the window. Do you remember what I was doing? Yeah, <laughs> Amanda was almost in that crazy woman role that she was ready to have a baby. She was overdue, and she was hitting panic mode about it. And she... I just couldn't be pregnant anymore. She would cry. Well, she was emotional. Hormones were going crazy. I look out my window, and Amanda was pretty big at the time. <laughs> you know one of those that when they start swelling, her feet would swell? It would, yeah, I, I was remember, pregnant I seeing, from the tip of my toes yeah. to my forehead. You would have corded, like when you take your socks off, you would have like <laughs> where it had corded you or, or yeah. your feet. Well, I look out my window, and Amanda's jogging. We live out in the country down, like, we have a little gravel road that's kind of off our driveway. And I look, and Amanda's jogging, trying to go in. Cause <laughs> Which, for the record, tall. I don't even jog when I'm not pregnant. No. So that tells you she was ready to have the baby, and I, I, it didn't affect him either. So uh, uh, I, I think about that. and then, But you were starting to have nightmares, even when we talk about the county tournament. It's mm -hmm. at Wallace. She had a dream that was a reoccurring dream there. If you know Wallace a little bit, it's kind of a sunken floor. The bleachers or the arena is up above. So everybody there, the focal point's the court. Amanda was the bookkeeper that sits right down in front of everybody. So tell a little bit about your dream. Yeah, so it, there's not a year that goes by at the county tournament that I don't think about this time in our life. But during the pregnancy, I had this reoccurring nightmare that I was sitting at the table keeping the book for you, you're coaching, my water breaks and goes everywhere and the players start slip sliding and fall down and I suppose it makes us lose the game, I don't know, but it was, it was just funny how your mind plays tricks on you. So do you think that she was distraught at this time, she's running, she's having these nightmares, these dreams? <laughs> But I am glad that God saw us through that. We were blessed to have a, a healthy baby boy. And again, we've talked today a little bit about some of the lessons and things that, that we went through in his life. Uh, there's a million stories that we could tell, and I'm sure we could go across different ones. You know, a lot of things I look back on, there, there are some regrets that I could have been better uh, parent. But, you know, I am thankful that God saw us through everything, saw him through everything. And uh, we look forward to a future, and we just pray daily that God will put people in his life that's going to make him a better person and, and a, a bring him closer to God with everything. And uh, I just encourage you as parents, when, when we feel like we can't do anything for them, we can pray. That's right. So, yeah, we just encourage y'all, whether you have kids yet or not, or you're planning to have kids, take that time and pray for their futures, ask God to enter in that life, and open doors and close doors that should be closed. Well, in Psalms 127.3 said, Children are a gift from the Lord, and they are a reward from Him. And He has been a gift and been a blessing, and we appreciate Him and, and the man that He is. But uh, again, I'm thankful that God has helped us along this journey. When we didn't have a manual, we still don't have a manual. It's just different. We're uh, still winging it. We're still winging it, and there's still different stories it, uh, that come about each year. But uh, I do know a person that, that has written the story, and mm -hmm. so uh, that's our hope and our, our faith that goes with him. So 
I appreciate it, guys, and we've really enjoyed it. And uh, we do have some other guests we finally have lined up. We haven't been able to have many of these uh, podcasts lately. Life's been crazy and trying to, you know, get by school and COVID and everything else that's going on. So hopefully we can get back on a regular routine and uh, look forward to some great guests coming up.